0: Well, the Lord is so good. Matthew 22, verse 14. This seems to be the summary of the parable of the wedding feast. By the way, an entrance into the kingdom of God, serving God, should be a great joy. Really, it should be. Sometimes we, we view service to the Lord almost like a funeral service. And church services should be exciting, jubilant, uplifting. Praise God. You know what it's fun to serve the Lord? Yes. Praise God. Amen. Matthew twenty-two, fourteen, Jesus said, For many are called, but few are chosen. And I want to speak this morning on the subject, the chosen few. Praise God. And you may be seated. Jesus calls many, many people to salvation. And this is what the parable is about. If you will look back in Luke uh, or Matthew 22, this is also found in Luke 14. Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants saying. Tell them which are bidden. Behold I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed. And all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. And went their ways. The one to his farm. The other to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants. And entreated them spitefully And slew them. Now. There is a few things that are happening in this parable that I'd like to just uh, call your attention to. The Lord is dealing with people like He has never dealt with people. And we find that the Scripture teaches us in Romans, the fifth chapter, that where sin doth abound, the grace of God doth more abound. Now, grace in the Bible is defined as unmerited favor and the divine leading of the heart. And my interpretation of this Scripture in the book of Romans is this, that when there is an abundance of sin, and when the voice of Satan and evil cries out to people, that the inner voice that comes from God, that we have resident inside of us, God speaks inwardly to us, that it becomes louder and louder and louder. In other words, there's always compensation So when the voice of the devil is trying to entreat us, when the voice of Satan is calling us, the voice of God gets louder and louder and louder. So that no man can walk through this life going into eternity saying, well, I was surrounded by so much evil and I just really didn't have the opportunity to give my life or my heart to the Lord. Now when God's voice becomes... Very, very dominant in a person's life. Uh, Sometimes a lot of inner strife, a lot of confusion starts in a person's life. It is a known fact that you can start praying for some individuals to give their heart to the Lord, and it seems like they become very, very confused. They become disoriented. Sometimes they become a little bit upset. Sometimes they become very upset. Sometimes they become irate. Sometimes they become hostile. Why? Because they're fighting that voice of God that's inside of them. One moment they are hearing the voice of the Lord. The next moment they are heeding also the call of the voice of the devil. We want to make sure that whatever we do, that we are supportive of the work of the Lord and that God's voice that speaks inside of us, even as people who have given our life to the Lord, that we uh, obey His voice, that we give ourselves to His voice, and that we keep a very sensitive ear to the voice of the Lord. I think what our young people put on here today was such a, uh, such a truth, such a great truth. Such a great truth. And, and the carnal-minded person is that person who seemingly, according to Scripture, would, would really like to be saved, but, but just doesn't possess enough discipline And by the way, discipline is the name of the game if you want to be a true disciple of the Lord. But the the carnal person just doesn't manifest enough discipline uh, to to stay to a particular task long enough uh, to to see the results that he would like to see. Now, the way the carnal mind works, uh, contrary to what some people uh, think, is that... uh, you know, you come to a church service and, well, that was a good service, so what? But if if it wasn't a good service, well, so what? In other words, uh, if someone gives their heart to the Lord, that's great. If someone didn't, well, so what? Uh, there'll be another service, there'll be another day. If I attend church today, that's all right. But if I don't get to, so what? That seems to be the way the carnal mind is. It doesn't always object to spiritual things. But uh, it's not always a promoter of spiritual things. So a lot of things exciting that's taking place, uh, that's just great. But if I go and things are not quite so exciting, well, then so what? That seems to be the carnal mind. Now, you will find that when uh, the servants went out to ask people to come to the wedding feast, and I think that some of us... Uh, we should put ourselves in each category as we go down through this parable that, uh, uh, you know, we have a definite job, and that is that we are to solicit people to the wedding feast. Uh, that is, people to come and give their life or their heart to the Lord. Now, we do invite a lot of people that, that uh, they just uh, they can kind of make light of, of this. I used to think when I was growing up, of course, you know, as a teenage uh, boy in high school and being very much involved with, what should I say, the world as as the world was then, I used to think, you know, going to church was for older ladies and little children and someone that was mature and, and uh, you know, as grown as I was. Uh, you know, I was a, a grown man when I was 15. I used to think that... Uh, <clears throat> You know i just I just felt sorry for people that they had nothing better to do. And then I'd go to church occasionally and uh, people would talk to me about the lord and and, and you know it just it was a real turn off as far as I was concerned and and uh, I had a few friends that would occasionally attend church same church that I attended and and after we'd leave we'd talk about <clears throat> you know we, we'd kind of make light make fun <laughs> uh, <clears throat> i I must say that I have made fun of a lot of Christians in my lifetime. Now, I can't put myself in the category of the Apostle Paul, who went so far as to say that he even persecuted people to the point of death. Now, I didn't do that. But uh, <clears throat> I, I was quite hateful to some of those people. Some people were very kind to me, very considerate of me. And truthfully, I just, uh, I just didn't really care for them. I, I just thought that, that they were just somewhere out in left field. Now, the time in which the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost was April fifteenth, 1961. I've told this so many times, but I was a very, very sick person, had a stomach ulcer. If you can use your imagination for a moment, I weighed less than 120 pounds. I had a bleeding ulcer. I was dying. I was constantly on medication. That's all I could take. Uh, My wife filled my thermos bottle, not with coffee, not with hot chocolate, not with tea, not with pop. But she filled it with Maylocks and things like this and, and uh, some prescription that I had. And every time I would eat something, I would have to drink that. I was losing weight. When the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost, there was a man that worked with me on the job that I worked with that attended the church. And this was a man that I really didn't care for. This man, he talked to me about the Lord. There was a time which, in my heart, I really thought I hated him. At least I hated to see him coming around. <laughs> because he'd come around and he'd talk about the Lord. You're talking about letting your light shine. This man would let his light shine. His name was Ralph Allred. Ralph would just let his light shine. When he walked up, I mean, he'd say, Praise the Lord. Well, here I am, you know, uh, uh, just a a young man, and he's walking up and saying, Praise the Lord. He put out his hand. He says, Oh, he'd even call me Brother John every now and then. Well, I wasn't a brother. You know, and I didn't like to be called Brother John. But he'd say, well, praise the Lord, Brother John. And, and then after he'd leave, people would ask me, he said, you go to Ralph's church? <laughs> oh, man. Well, if I saw him coming, seriously, if I saw him coming, uh, I would turn around and walk away. I'd make out as if, you know, that it was my time to leave, and, and I've got to get on back to my work. But would you believe the morning in which I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that Ralph Allred was praying uh, with me? And one thing I didn't like about Ralph was that he he just he when he prayed, I mean he prayed with such fervency, and he was so loud and oh my, it just it just it was too loud in my ear and then another problem that he had was whew, i just i couldn't <coughs> I couldn't stand his breath so <laughs> and I didn't want Ralph praying for me, but would you believe that the the morning in which I received the Holy ghost? Uh, our missionary, Brother Johnny Wilholt, was preaching in our church, and God got a hold of my heart like never before. I came down to the front. I, I wept. I sobbed. I cried. I repented of my sins. And the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost, and Ralph was right there. Now, would you believe that when the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost, I'm here to tell you I took on such a love for this man. All of a sudden, you know, things changed inside of me, and I got up, and the first person, that I hugged. I mean, I literally hugged Ralph. I said, Ralph, thank you so much for praying for me. And would you believe the Lord healed me of that stomach ulcer? Now, you you can look and tell I, I had a healing someplace down the road. <coughs> and it, it took place, I mean, it took place right at that time. I went that very day. I went that very day down to my mother and dad's place, our home. Uh, we were celebrating their wedding anniversary, which was a week later. But it put it in the church schedule. It had to be done on April 15th. And we went down there, and I got in line, and I ate barbecue chicken and all of that Texas hot stuff. And would you believe it did not bother me at all? <clears throat> now, <clears throat> Ralph Allred was just an angel from then on. I mean, a great guy. A great guy. Since, since uh, that time, he has... Gone on to be with the Lord. But I'll, I'll tell you, it, it, it is amazing. It is amazing how that, that when, when you are set adversely to God, how, how you can feel about people that are, that are really trying to help you. Now, the situation in the Scripture was that, that the people who were set adversely to those inviting, uh, <clears throat> naturally, they were, they, were <clears throat> they were not right. But then the people who were doing the inviting took on a bad attitude. You know, they, they looked at these people and said, oh, they don't want God, just forget it. You know, and, and of course they began to beat them up and slay them. That's what the Bible says. And, and of course, <clears throat> in this case, huh, you know, if you fight carnality with carnality, <laughs> if you fight bitterness with bitterness, uh, you're as equally or you are equally as guilty as, 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 as they are. And that's, that's what happened. Nevertheless, <clears throat> things did not stop. Just simply because that people on both sides made a mistake, and and, and that can happen, you know. Uh, sometimes we we, we we want we we we'd like the secret, you know, to to see in the church grow, and and I, I've seen churches fast and pray and seek the Lord, and they wanted to, they, they they wanted the secret. Uh, uh, I've gone and ministered places in which the church would say, "Tell us, Pastor Grant, how how should we?" How can we grow? I, I, I think growth is just a normal process of life, you know. If you live the Scripture the way the Bible tells you that you ought to live the Scripture, uh, I don't think you'll have a problem growing. In other words, you, you have your day in which you seek God or fast and seek God. You have your day uh, or all your days in which you, you, know, you start those days out in prayer and you stay in tune with the Lord, you attend church, and you keep a good attitude and a good spirit even when things go wrong. I mean, you just keep a good attitude and a good spirit. I mean, if God has given you just so many days here on this planet Earth, you might as well make the best of it. This reminds me of a of a story. Some of you know Brother Merrill Ewing. Brother Ewing is a pastor in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Now he and Brother Jack Cunningham were at a camp together. Now Brother Jack Cunningham is our home missions director for the United Pentecostal Church. And by the way, Brother Cunningham, Brother and Sister Cunningham will be with us at our annual church banquet in December. We'll have a great time with the Cunninghams. But Brother Cunningham is uh, uh, a little taller than me, and he weighs about, uh, <coughs> well, uh, he's probably double my size. I mean, he's a big guy. But Brother Ewing is bigger yet, <coughs> taller, big. Brother Ewing has a lot of records. He's a great vocalist. But Brother Ewing likes to eat. And Brother uh <laughs> Brother Cunningham and Brother Ewing were doing this camp together, and so the officials of the camp had told Brother Ewing, said, now, there's a Shoney's across the street, and we have set up a charge account over there, so any time you get hungry, you go over to Shoney's. Now, if you happen to go some other place and you eat, well, you just keep your receipts. So Brother Cunningham was going to pick up Brother Ewing because he had the car, and they were going to go out to eat, so he started towards Shoney's. Brother Ewing says, I am not eating at Shoney's. Now, if there's anybody here that patronizes Shoney's, uh, please don't. I'm just telling you this story. This is Brother Brother Ewing's uh, uh, perspective of Shoney's, okay? I happened to eat at Shoney's when I was in uh, uh, Des Moines, so uh, naturally I don't feel quite like Brother Ewing. But Brother Ewing said, I'm not eating at Shoney's. And so they went down the road and, and he said, now, this is where I want to go. And they went in. It was a real nice restaurant. Well, <coughs> Brother Cunningham said, what's what's wrong with Shoney's? He said, now, look, Jack. He says, now, you know, I like to eat. And the way I look at it, the Lord placed me on this planet Earth for just a, a number of days or a number of years, a number of days. And uh, the Lord has given me the opportunity to eat three square meals a day. And he says, now, if I only have so many Meals to eat while I'm here. Why waste one of them at Shoney's? (laughs) (laughs) Why should I do that? (laughs) So he said, Brother Ewing, he just went went where he wanted to go. And he saved all of his receipts and turned them in by the end of the week. And, of course, uh, the district reimbursed him. Well, I told that story to say this. That, you you know, we only have so many church services and and so many days on this planet Earth. Why can't we just keep a good attitude and serve God and people who don't want to serve God? Well, then that's their business. But nevertheless, let's come to church and let's enjoy life and let's enjoy each other. This This is a real meal. Praise God. Turn around and just shake hands with someone and say, I'm glad I'm here today and I'm having fun in the house of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this is supposed to be like a wedding feast, you know. It's not a funeral. Praise God. Somebody asked, why is the the Pentecostal churches growing like they're growing? And I said, because everybody likes their religion with a little kick in it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We're in this. This is life. And it's... I'm not being disrespectful when I say this, because when you get to heaven, the Bible tells us that the voices will ring eternally, giving praise and glory and adoration. And they're all going to do it at the same time. Someone said, how come all of you pray at one time? Well, it doesn't make any difference if you're praying two miles from someone or two feet from someone. God, God has a way of picking all that out. Isn't that true? Praise God. And why deny me the opportunity to pray? I mean, just because you're praying and worshiping? Now, there are times, you know, in which maybe someone is leading in prayer and you don't want to just drown them out. (laughs) But there are times in which we all lift our hands and we all worship God and we all do it together. Praise God. But when people don't want to, so what? I mean, God gives them. See, there are many called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. However, we have to understand this, that that even though God is dealing with a lot of people, that there are a whole lot of people that just simply will not respond. Now, I want to read down through the rest of this, and and we'll get on then with our our comments. But then he and his servants, but then said he to his servants, verse 8, the wedding is ready, But they which are bidden are not worthy. Go ye therefore in the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found both bad and good. You don't have to straighten up your act to come to church. You don't have to straighten up your act to come to God. In fact, you come to God and then you straighten up your act. Isn't that right? Why? Because you do not possess the ability or the power to do this. But you come first and you give your life to the Lord. And then you straighten your act up. All right? And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came into the guest, he saw there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. Oh, now. We're talking about the wedding garment. Now, the wedding garment here depicts Bible salvation. Now, this is what you're going to find out, that even though many are called, that as people are called in the progressive steps, now, I use the word progressive steps of service to God, that that people begin to drop out. This is also true when we come and approach Bible salvation. There are a lot of people that will repent of their sins, that will not go on and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we, we see that every day. Now, let me just explain this. I do believe with all my heart that Peter, who had the keys to the kingdom of God, and knew exactly what people needed to do to be saved. And you will find the birth of the church in Acts, the second chapter, when the Holy Ghost fell upon these people, uh, Peter began to preach, and they asked Peter what they should do. Acts 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now for the promises unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, we do find in the book of Acts people who were fully repented of their sins who had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, in Acts the 19th chapter, that was the case. was also the case in Acts the 10th chapter concerning Cornelius and his household. Now, for whatever reason, you know, and and, and the reasons could vary, some people will actually repent, but after their repentance... And repentance is the turning away from sin. In other words, they understand that they have done wrong. They ask Jesus to forgive them. But just in a moment's time, they just like to throw up their hand and say, this is as far as I'm going to go. And some people will go no further because they don't understand that they need to go further. But if you're here under the sound of my voice, I'm here to tell you, you need to repent, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, and you need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, that's throughout the book of Acts, and this is the gospel. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died so that you can repent of your sins. Jesus was buried so that you can be buried with Him in baptism. Jesus rose from the tomb after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth so that you can receive resurrection power, which is the power of the Holy Ghost. The death, the burial, and the resurrection, according to 1 Corinthians 15, is the good news. Now, Jesus Christ died, He was buried, and He arose, not just so that we would have a good story to tell on Easter, but so that you can experience this in your own life. In other words, you can have Bible salvation for yourself. <clears throat> now, here was a man <clears throat> that was at the wedding feast, and he did not have the wedding garment on. In other words, he had not robed himself with Bible salvation. And this is what happened. Verse 12, And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Now, you will find that Jesus even said, Not every man that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter therein. There will be a day, the Bible says, in which some will even declare, Have not I cast out devils in your name? Have not I healed the sick in your name? In other words, I pray over my food in your name. I end all my prayers. And Jesus said, Depart from me, ye which work iniquity, for I never knew you. In other words, knowing God, according to the Scripture, in which we just quoted, simply means having intimacy with God. In other words, you have taken on God. You have been born of His Spirit. You have been washed by His blood. But some will say, Well, I've done all of this. Now, I am not God, and I don't want you to think that I'm trying to take the place of God. All I'm trying to do is represent God. I am not God. I did not write the Bible. But you see, here's, here's the line of logic that a lot of people use. Oh, there's this. How can so many people be so wrong? You may say, you understand, Pastor Grant, that when you talk about repentance, baptism in Jesus' name and then filling of the Holy Ghost, you're, you're talking about, you know, this, this is, a, you may say an exclusive doctrine of the United Pentecostal Church or of the Pentecostals. Well, no, that's not true. But, but I will say this, Pentecostals do practice this. In other words, when I say it's not an exclusive doctrine of the Pentecostal Church, the news is out. I mean, here it is. I mean, it's in bi- it's in black and white, you know, and 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 it's available. It's available to anyone. You go in any home and pick up the Bible and open it. There it is. I mean, it's it's there. And and, and how can we how can we say that huh, it's an exclusive Pentecostal doctrine? I mean, everybody has the same book. See. But see, the line of logic is, but you folks are so small compared to large, major groups that do not baptize in Jesus' name or believe in receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Well, I am certainly not saying that I want to be so selective as to create a chosen few group. But on the other hand, we can't take away from what the Bible says. Now, obviously, Jesus put it the way He did, not to say that we only want a few people to be saved, but to let people understand that what you need to do is to search out the truth of the matter according to the Scripture because most people won't take the time to do it. And I tell people when they come to our church and they they, they, they approached me, they, they, they asked questions. I said, look, take the Bible and read the Bible. Don't take Pastor Grant's word for it, and don't take anybody else's word for it. Read the Bible. Now, God is not willing that any should perish. Second Peter 3, verse 9. First, let me just back up to uh, verse 4. Uh, verse 3, pardon me knowing this first, that there shall be in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of one thing, <clears throat> this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Now verse nine is the scripture I want you to look at. "The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that he should come to repentance. So, <clears throat> when the flood came in Noah's day, the Bible says there were only eight souls saved. Now, I know according to Scripture, and you know according to Scripture, that when we look into eternity around the throne, look in the book of Revelation. There is a great host of people there, a number that no man can number. So I'm not trying to say there's going to only be eight souls saved when Jesus Christ comes back. I do not believe that. But there is a principle here, and that principle is that God by nature continues to deal with people even when people reject Him. And He will continue to deal with them and continue to deal with them and continue to... The Lord was very long-suffering to me. I made fun. I didn't want to go. I thought I was grown when I was fourteen or fifteen. I thought I had all the answers to life. I was a smart guy, you know. My mother started going to church. And I, I just I got where I didn't want to go. And I didn't even want to go to the grocery store shopping with my mother. She'd meet all these people. Praise the Lord. How are you? You know, here I am, this grown 16, 15, 60 year old guy, you know, and mothers over there, praise the Lord, hallelujah. <coughs> I'll go shop the next aisle. Let her talk with these people. You know what I'm talking about? But I'm so thankful the Lord didn't give up on me. But he kept on talking to me, he kept on dealing with me. I used to lie in the bed and hear my mother pray and she'd call my name. And I know now I know when she called my name, she'd be saying, And Lord, I want you to help my son John. He needs to be saved. I'd listen. She's praying about something else now, it's not quite so loud. I know I know she prayed where I could hear. Oh, I mean she wept and cried and prayed and I thought, dear me then she'd start talking about eternity lord don't allow my son john to die and go to hell lost without god forever, lake of fire and torment supposed to be getting a good night's rest supposed to get rest i played on the football team i'd take take my pillow and put it over my head didn't want to hear that you know god was so long-suffering And, you know, since then, there have been times when I wanted to pray real loud prayers for people. (laughs) Isn't that something? Isn't that something? God was so long-suffering with such a brat like me. Can you believe that? But the final choice is still yours. It's not going to make you do anything. Now, we know that Jesus was was right in everything that he said. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about the two ways. He talked about the broad, the wide gate and the broad way. And he said, this way leads to destruction. He says, many walk down this road. But then he said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life eternal. And few there be that find it. Now let me say this, dear friends, we are dealing with life. And we get one opportunity as we walk through life. And this is not a trial run in which you can get to the end and say, Oh, back up. We're gonna now next time it's gonna be better. No. You get one chance. And only one chance. And if God is important to you and salvation is important to you, and eternity is important to you. Why not just take your Bible and open it up and say, Look, I want to do what the Bible tells me to do. Now, let me tell you something. If you had to walk through life finding truth, appreciating holiness, and living a life that is separate from the world, and nobody would say but you, I'll guarantee you when you get to heaven and you get a real glimpse of what eternity is all about, you'll thank God that in the midst of a world where only one person was saved, that you were the person that did it. I'll guarantee you. <clears throat> so wide is the gate, and broad is the way. Now, God is dealing with people. How many people does God deal with? He deals with all. Listen to this. Titus 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared unto all men. Now, I believe that all people hear the voice of God. Now, some people don't know it's the voice of God. This is the importance of us evangelizing the world. And there are places in which people have never heard of Jesus Christ. They've never heard of the day of Pentecost. They've never heard of the death, burial, and resurrection. They've never read a Bible. Brother Nichols and Brother Showalter and some others who have recently gone into Russia, they've gone places where people have never read a Bible. And yet, when they read the Scripture, guess what happens? They say, God has been dealing with me all these years. Isn't that something? You know, if, somebody, if someone would have gone back and said, you know, the... The Lord's dealing with your heart when when I was fifteen or sixteen, I I, I would not have admitted it. I wouldn't no, I wouldn't want to even talk about it. But he was. And I thank the Lord that he was. So the Lord is reaching out to how many? To all. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish. God wants to save you today. Today. Right today. God wants you to give your life. He wants you to surrender your heart today. He wants you to repent of your sins today. He wants you to be baptized in His name today. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost today. Today is the day of salvation. And God wants you to receive it today. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. And He has been dealing with you for a long time to bring you to this crucial moment in your life where you must make a decision. But now, He won't make you. You know, it's it's a startling fact, but God gives every man enough lateral or enough elbow room to go to hell if He wants to. Now, here's where we are. In Matthew 13, Jesus gives us seven parables. And these seven parables represent the kingdom of God from the time in which Jesus first sowed the seed until the rapture. the rapture is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ that will take the church out of this world. Now, the last parable that He gave just before His return, we find it in verse... 47 of Matthew 13, Again the kingdom of heaven is locked into a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Now, that's what happened. That's what happened at the marriage supper. Go out in the highways and the hedges and you get the halt, the maim, the blind, the good and the bad. Bring them all in. <clears throat> Which when it was full, <coughs> they... Drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. See, the one man, he came, but entering into the wedding feast, he did not stop and put on the wedding garment. In other words, he thought somehow he could just go through this whole ordeal without salvation. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> you, you remember in the Old Testament, Naaman, the, the leper, and, and, and he was he was a captain of the host of Syria, a proud man. And when he went to Elisha's house, Elisha told him, said, "Go down to Jordan and dip yourself seven times in the river." Guess what he did? He got mad. I mean, he got mad. His servant came up to him and said, "Hold it a minute, master." He said, you know, let me ask you something. He said, if Eli should have asked you to do, to have done a hard thing, you would have done it, wouldn't you? Well, what are you talking about? He said, well, he's asking you to do something very simple and very easy. All you got to do is go down to the river and dip yourself seven times. Now, if he'd asked you to do a hard thing, you had been willing to do it. And I'm amazed at the people that when we talk about Bible salvation, all we're talking about is surrendering your life to God, repenting your sins, being baptized in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, if we were sending you off to college someplace, and you had to get a degree in theology, and after your degree in theology, you work someplace on a mission field for four or five years, and then you're saved, probably a whole lot more people would be saved. Why? Because we have this idea that the harder we work at something... There's a lot of pride involved in that. You know, if we work at something real hard, that makes us a part of this. And salvation is something something separate and apart. Salvation is Jesus Christ. You can't be good enough to save yourself. You can't work long enough to save yourself. You can't pray long enough to save yourself. Now, you may pray in order to be saved, but salvation is Jesus and, of course, in this big dragnet, people, good and the bad, were caught. However, there is a judgment day. There is a rapture. Jesus said, two shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two shall be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other. Left. Two will be in the bed. One shall be taken, the other left. So just because we come to the influence of God's great dragnet, that pulling, that drawing, many are called, but few are chosen. Now, we know according to John fifteen sixteen that we didn't choose Him, He chose us. We do not have the ability to all of a sudden just say, Well, I think I'm going to give my heart to God. I think I'll go to church today. I'm tired of saying It doesn't work that way, does it? No. For no man cometh to God except the Spirit draweth him. God's got to draw. You feel that tug at your heart this morning? You feel that pulling inside of you? You feel something inside of you saying, I need this. I want to be saved. Tell me more, Pastor Grant. Now, we love him according to First John 4:19, because he first loved us. Now, I feel and I have carefully studied this out in the scripture, I do not feel that people come to God initially because they love Him. <clears throat> I think they come to God because they fear God. And the reason why that we're having the problem in our planet Earth today is there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now that's what, that's explained in Romans 1. So when you talk about hell, people say, so what? One man told me, he said, well I've always gotten myself out of every jam I've been in, and when I get to Judgment Day, I'll get myself out of this. That's what he told me. I didn't, I didn't know how to even think about that. <clears throat> but that's what he said and i mean he was he was just he was very sober when he told me that i said huh. I, I mean are you kidding oh no i, I i'm not going to worry about i'm not going to worry about it until judgment day now the importance of preaching listen Paul says, therefore knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men i don't care what walk of life you you're involved in or where you go to church, but you need a preacher that will stand behind the pulpit and make hell feel as hot as he possibly can and sin as bad as he possibly can so that inside of our hearts, while the voice of God is speaking to us, that we develop a respect, fear, a reverential fear, or respect of God. See, I understand that God could make me rich before the day is over. But He can make me very poor, too. He could grant to me healing and health. But I also understand that I could be in the hospital near death's door before the day is over. I understand that God is a giver of life, and I'm only one heartbeat from eternity. I understand that. I definitely understand that. I love God. And I trust God. But there was a time, my friend, when I stepped out and came and gave my heart to God. And i got to tell you, I thought I was going to die. I was dying. And I didn't want to be lost. I love Him because He first loved me. I didn't choose Him. He chose me. I'd like you to stand with me at this time, but we must understand that even after He has chosen us, that a decision has to be made on our part for God so loved the world, that He gave His only-begotten Son that whosoever will should not perish, but have everlasting life. whosoever will. Revelation 22, verse 16. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. He chose you. You didn't choose him. He loved you. That's why you have the ability to love him but does that mean that no choice at all is granted to you oh absolutely not many are called few are chosen the the few are chosen only because that a few people and when we say few we're talking about to the as compared to worldwide population that's what we're talking about Only a few people will say yes and give their heart to God. We're going to give you an opportunity at the conclusion of this message to come and surrender your life to the Lord. As our praise singers sing, if you desire to give your heart to the Lord, why don't you step right out from where you are and come. You can kneel down here in front of the pulpit or on the sides of the pulpit, out in front, or you can stand. We have Christian workers throughout our building. Be glad to come and pray with you, counsel with you, read the Bible for you or with you or whatever. Whatever your need is. So as they sing, would you come and give your heart to God this morning? Come on right now. My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea. So burden with sin and distress. Come on right now. Some come and pray with this precious sister a sweet voice saying Make me your choice and I enter yes, some of you come and pray with, with mine. Come on and pray In with the these who have come and surrendered their life to the Lord. Come on right now, would you? the white sea no more. Oh, thank you, God.